Fuel your team with Total Coffee from Staples Business Advantage. Our comprehensive program offers no upfront cost brewers, installation, maintenance, and supplies. Plus our incredible selection of coffee and beverages, including our new Pick Me Up Provisions brand. We handle everything from finding the best brewer to providing ongoing service, all at no cost with your minimum monthly spend on breakroom products. Visit staplesadvantage.com slash total coffee to get started. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. It is our Week 15 recap. I am Patrick Darty, joined off the jump by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to break down the entire Sunday State, we being the Road to World Football Gang. Denny and I are going to do Browns, Bears, Texans, Titans, Dolphins, Jets. And Denny, we will begin in Cleveland. Where my, my question from looking at this box score is how did the Browns almost lose this game? Because I see like what almost 400 Joe Flacco passing yards. I see only 19 Justin Fields completions. I see zero Bears running game, but I knew when I was following the game from afar, the Bears were winning almost the entire time. Mm -hmm. It seemed like a real Houdini victory for the Browns. Uh, How did this happen? How did the Browns improve to nine and five with a 20 to 17 victory over the Bears, which we love to point out the first ever good weather game in Cleveland in December? You know, uh, covering this game, I was afraid that we would get, I don't know, a an ice tsunami or something. <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we've we never seen a December game this nice in Cleveland. Of course, it was it was sleeting, I should yeah, say. Right? There, there are water spouts all over the field. <laughs> and, the, and the sun you know never happened on land. The sun never came out, actually. I just wanted to be clear about <laughs> yeah. that. The sun just did not come out. So uh but it was it was fine i mean there, there was actually not much wind at all wasn't affecting the pass game was not affecting the the field goals i'd say that this is a vibes based win for for the browns they have unbelievably good vibes right now especially at, at home and the bears did everything and you have to credit them they, they did everything they could to lose this game. <laughs> and and they did and they accomplished the task. Yeah, that, 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 that's called the Neberflus. He's been really, really good at that since arrived in Chicago. Just, to, just total commitment. Uh, 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 I would describe the Bears as a, a terror-based game plan. They were just terrified of winning, so they 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 dropped this one. Uh, let's start on the Bears side. Uh, DJ Moore, your precious DJ. Hey, what happened to my my precious 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 DJ Moore? Yeah, um, he got unlucky. You know, he had like a twenty eight yard reception, toe tap reception called back in the first half. That that was tough. He also on on a on a really cool uh, uh, design play to get him open specifically. He was Pat. He was open. He was open, and Justin Fields decided to run the ball. Um, instead of throwing easy touchdowns. Uh, you love to see it. You love to see it the day after our social media team directly quoted me, not out of con. Like this is not a bit. It was direct quote of me, a really good graphic, a really good uh-huh. tweet. Mm-hmm. Me saying, you don't have to worry about him as a wide receiver one anymore. Right. Yeah. He's locked in. 
Uh, and you know, th- this, this matchup actually really was a good matchup because the Browns play, uh, are, are one of the most man coverage heavy defenses in the league. DJ Moore has eaten up man coverage all season. So the process was good. The results were not as, as good. Uh, Cole Komet caught a touchdown, but was, you know, very much limited here. Only 23 yards on five catches. Um, he did see seven targets. So he had that going for him. Darnell Mooney, eight targets tied DJ Moore for the team lead. But uh, I don't know if you saw it, Pat. He had an un- unfortunate drop pass. Um, well, so, I probably won't let me say unfathomable drop pass. It, uh, <laughs> it was a Hail Mary that landed right between his numbers, and he decided to, in- instead of catch it, he decided to kick it into the air. This is while he was sitting. So, like, he had margin for error. It could bounce off him a little bit, and he had time to, like, kind of adjust, it, and instead he kicked it. It, uh, it. it was one of those things where you, you, you see it, and you go, okay, well, that's a catch. And, and and it it feels like a catch for so long that you're like it's a catch it's a catch it's a catch and it's intercepted uh and, and DJ I'm, I'm sorry Justin Fields had two interceptions on hail marys one at the end of the first half one at the end of the second half the first half the, the interception didn't actually happen the ball clearly just bounced off the ground into a, a, a defender's hands and then the second one Mooney kicks it so tough day for him statistically maybe those will be overturned. On, so they didn't uh, review it. I don't. I don't know if you can do a stat correction on interception. I don't think you can. I don't oh, think really? Like hockey. Yeah. I don't think cool. there will, will be a stat correction. There is on like yardage sometimes. Yeah. They, they bring in the laser pointer, and it was actually a forty-two yard touchdown, not a forty-three yard touchdown. I don't know why I have to share this thought, but I've been thinking lately. Cole Komet is basically he's like the poor man's George Kittle in fantasy, mm-hmm. not in terms of like real life skill set. Mm-hmm. Like the floor is so weirdly low, but. Like the ceiling is like way higher than you would like it to be, so you kind of like basically have to play him all the time. And good to see that he got the tutter. You know what I can say. I I do I do understand what you're saying actually for some reason. Uh, I, I I will I will say uh, on, on the bear side here you have um, Roshan Johnson running almost all the routes, uh, so he got all of the two minute stuff. He got most of the second half. Uh, action with uh, Deontay Foreman rushing six times for negative six yards. Negative six yards. The the Browns turns out are a tough team to run on. They did not did not happen today. Uh, Roshan, I guess maybe is live for PPR purposes. If you think the Bears are going to fall behind, the problem is the Bears are playing the Cardinals next week, and I don't really see that happening. Do not Um, see that happening. I absolutely love. By the way, if I'm a flex person and I started Deontay Foreman in the first week of the fantasy playoffs and Tyler Scott, who I know who he is on the Bears, had one carry for negative three yards and outrushed yeah. my flex, Deontay Foreman. I I love that, you know, per, personally. You do. You do. That, is, <laughs> that is something I enjoy. Tyler Scott has been your RB2 all year, actually. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> since September. <laughs> Pretty sure he's a wide receiver, but he's been your RB2 all year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so it, it was uh, a tough day for that for that backfield, and you know what can you do? They're, they're, none of them are appealing. Let's put no, it that way. That it's this it is the classic that uh, to like to, uh, what's the word? I don't know. To repurpose this quote: If you have three running backs, you really have zero. You have, yes, that's right. You can't yes. trust any of them. Um, fantasy football. Uh, Brown side, we have Joe Flacco with yet another forty-plus attempt day. Pat, he's had 44 attempts, at least 44 attempts in all three of his starts for the Browns this year. It has kept everybody afloat, including him in this offense. He went for 374 and two touchdowns to go along with three interceptions. And Pat, if I'm being honest with you, that three interceptions should have been 
six. I was gonna say, was this the classic? Should have been seven or eight, Joe Flacco. And but he has, you know, he's got seventy-one dropbacks. He took <laughs> nine sacks. <laughs> if we if we can ever get Flacco to eighty dropbacks, he's he's gonna get to four hundred yards. Yes, I, I, yes. I promise you. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, every single throw to the boundary. The 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 Bears defenders would jump at it and 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 come this close to just picking it off for a touchdown. Oh the, the Bears defense probably like if they had gotten a little luckier would have had three touchdowns today. Man. Um, so I don't really I don't really know if Flacco can like keep getting away with it because that because everybody knows what's coming in this offense and that is a three step four five step drop back and then just just sling it to Amari like nine or ten step drop back or is it, or, uh, or David and Joku and speaking of David and Joku fourteen targets today he just is a slot machine honestly for fantasy purposes with with flacco at the helm catches a touchdown uh leads the team in targets by a long shot here over amari cooper and elijah moore and cedric tillman uh so i mean and joku for as long as this flacco thing goes is like an elite fantasy option yeah, and that's this manifested every single week. Uh, no, I mean, the sample size is big enough for fantasy football at this point. David and Joku, not that anyone's really benching him, can't be on any benches in week 16 against the Houston Texans oh. on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's going to be great. Actually. Any final thoughts in this game in the backfield here? Just drum forward, Cream Hunt. No one got to go, and the Bears totally shut down right. the Browns' rushing attack. Well, I I, th- I think as long as they're they're doing this pass heavy thing, it's going to be hard for the for the running backs to to get there. You know, for f- unless they score a touchdown, and neither neither of them did that today. As far as pass catching goes, Jerome Ford ran twenty routes on forty nine dropbacks, and he led Cream Hunt, uh, who had only a nine routes. Okay, sure. and and Ford had four uh, targets uh, to go along with eight carries. But really, like the these. These two hunting forward, they they cannibalize each other's opportunity. Uh, with Flacco, it's like they're going to be like ten or twelve percent over their expected pass rate every week, and uh, so th- I just don't think there's much here. It's kind of like the Bears backfield. It's kind of who cares, Danny. All I want for Christmas is ninety-four Joe Flacco dropbacks for, <laughs> for three hundred ninety-three <laughs> yards, three touchdowns, and four interceptions. You might get it, Texas. We might get it. We move on to Houston, Texas. Where the Texans, uh, excuse me, the game was actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. But the Texans beat the Titans 19 to 16. Another game where every time I checked the score, I was not entirely sure how it was happening, but the Titans were winning. They were shutting out the Texans for, I think, a lot of the first half. Uh, nothing doing in the post CJ Stroud, hopefully only one game post CJ Stroud offense for the Texans. But then, uh, like I said, at first I thought they were going to tie. I was watching in this game like the ties happened. I did too. We're I getting did. the tie. And then Devin Singletary takeover question mark. Uh, I I don't even know where to begin this game. You're the one who watched it. Where do you begin <laughs> with this game? Yeah, that, I think that that's the main takeaway here. With uh, with Stroud out, they had Case Keenum in. Uh, they leaned hard on Devin Singletary. Twenty six carries to let me check. Let me check Damian Pierce's box score. <laughs> uh, yes, one carry for Damian Pierce. Goodness gracious, he he barely barely played at all. And Singletary. And, and you can't you can't cut him right you can't drop him though right I I don't know I I think you can no I was kidding so like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, so, <laughs> like we've been saying that for weeks like earnestly well you still can't cut him you you got me you got you me. Do, sorry we uh, we have been saying that I think we've been saying that since like week four I I know you kind of want to cut Damian right. Pierce but you can't do it so we're sorry about that 
the, the frustrating thing about this is that Singletary was so good in all the peripherals when Damian Pierce was out. And I'm sure that when the numbers come out tomorrow, he's going to be excellent in this game because he was making guys miss on basically every touch. Okay. He was getting something where there was nothing. He was breaking tackles. I mean, Singletary is just like on a heater. Like he's, he's been playing really well this year that continued today. As far as pass catching goes, he ran 23 routes on 40 dropbacks. Dari Agumbawale ran 11 routes on, on those on 40 dropbacks. And Singletary caught four or five for, for 26. So, you know, he has some PPR upside. He saw the goal line attempts. He actually ran one in along, uh, ran 40, 40 yard uh, run into the end zone to, to end the game, but then it was called back. It was called back in overtime. So um, he was like uh, a cannon shot on that run, too. He I was. That. He's, and, you know, look, uh, every time this happens, then PFF Bobby, Bobby Slowick comes out <laughs> and he says, We love Damian Pierce. Uh, we would take a bullet for Damian Pierce. He, we're going to get him in there. He's going to play. And then so you're like, oh, oh so Singletary is not going to be the guy. And then they actually follow through with it and they get Pierce more involved. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I, I can't foresee it happening, honestly, because Pierce has been so bad and Singletary has been so good. You can't foresee it happening, but it, two really big week 16 variables. One is the return of CJ Stroud. So hopefully a more normal Texans offense. At least we hope the return of CJ Stroud from his concussion. And then the Browns, the same defense that just totally eliminated this Bears backfield. So I guess if there's two series and, you know, Dar- or excuse me, Devin Singletary comes out and has like three carries for four yards, maybe the third series, then they're trying to go to Damian Pierce. That is the one thing that makes me a little nervous about like fully committing to Devin Singletary in week 16 for the fancy semifinals. But, I mean, this was a complete, like you said before the show, it was a hostile takeover. This was a it, complete comprehensive takeover. It was. I mean, Pierce was just hands on hips on the sideline for most of this game. Uh, besides uh, Singletary, I guess the, the the main story was Noah Brown uh, doing what he had to do for fantasy managers. He, as you said the other day with uh, Ty Chandler, uh, or no, with which which running back was it? Uh, Zamir White. Zamir White, you said he understood the task. You know, understood the assignment and don't sell Ty, Ty Chandler then proved to be an even more gifted oh. uh, assignment understander. No one has ever understood an assignment better. And, and I, think, I think Noah Brown understood it, ran 34 routes on 40 dropbacks, 11 targets that led the team by a long shot. It was almost 40% of the targets. Uh, he had uh, 80, I believe, 86 yards. In a 82 touchdown. yards. And what you're telling me, Denny, is uh, he outproduced the past two games where he had, uh, quote, zero yards. He had He had more than zero in this game, which I thought was good. Uh, he caught a short touchdown from Case Keenan, but like clearly, very clearly, he's the only game in town with Tank Dell and Nico Collins sidelined. I don't know if Nico Collins is going to come back next week. If he does not, then you got to just keep playing Noah Brown in 12 team leagues. Yeah, Nico did not seem particularly close to no. shooting up, but I, hard to overstate the importance of this Browns Texans game on Christmas Eve in Houston for both teams. So, mm-hmm. They're going to do everything possible to get Nico Collins healthy, but he just might not be healthy. Uh, so you mentioned Devin Singletary running really well, shockingly well. Uh, the big dog in a big dog game script, the Titans are winning the whole game. They're front running. He has 16 carries for nine yards. What in the – what? And, and, and DeAndre Hopkins, you mentioned before we got on the air, massive target share, and he has two catches, 21 yards. Why did the Titans stars so comprehensively fail to get home? Yeah, Derrick Henry, 20 – Touches 20 touches for 10 yards today. 
Man. If you can believe that, and I personally have a hard actually time actually cannot, that. no. Uh, well, yeah, well, so here's what happened. The Texans were regularly putting like nine defenders in the box and saying, Will Levis, do your worst, and Will Levis would then do his worst. Um, and sacks for 61 yards, I just noticed. Oh, my, yeah, goodness. Will Levis. I, I think, I think, uh, coming off that, that Monday victory against the Dolphins, I think the Tex, the Titans basically told him, Look, kid, don't just don't mess it up. You know, j- just you got to be conservative, be smart, be smart. And the, and the worst thing that a guy like Will Levis can do is be smart. Right? You know, <laughs> yeah, don't, we don't want Will Levis being smart. No, do cool. not. J- do not. Don't use your head, kid. You've got to play from the gut. And he did not. He was he was all sorts of hesitant here. D'Amico Ryans understood that if they shut down the the running attack, then it was basically over for this offense. And that, and it was it was they just couldn't get anything going. I mean, Tajay Spears was stuffed. Time after time after time. Uh, so, you know, Henry, disastrous, disastrous game. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, 42% target share, 21 scoreless yards. His day was highlighted, Pat, by pointing at tra- literally pointing at Traylon Burks as Burks ran free. <laughs> he ran free this. down the left sideline. <laughs> and he's saying, hey, Will, you got a guy down there. And Burks is waving his arms. I'm open. And Will Levis then throws it into triple coverage to Hopkins, and it's picked off. And that that was it. That was a big turn in the game, by the way. So uh, that it, Will Levis couldn't have played worse. That was, by the way, that came from the top. Mike Rabel said, "Under no circumstances are you allowed to target Traylon Burks." He threw it to DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> yes. and then he did, and it was picked. That's exactly how it happened. Right, Will Levis. He's a guy. He's got to read and react. He. We don't want Will Levis trying to think out there like so he he's not a reads goer he's got the the physical tools yeah. he needs to play within the flow of the game that would be and good that would be very very good um, not we'll move on from this game i think you hit on all the takeaways we'll go to my game the dolphins just i don't know pantsing the jets 30 to nothing just a really really embarrassing uh game a, a total vibes destroyer to you know the jets came in this game Coming off a big win, I, I was kind of I was kind of hoping we'd get a close game. Uh, it would have been fun for the Jets to make this like kind of crazy, ultimately doomed run, but uh, it's not ultimately doomed. It is doomed. They've been officially eliminated from the playoffs. It, it was just a fiasco performance for Zach Wilson and the entire offense. And Zach Wilson was not good before he suffered a concussion late in the first half. He was only four of eleven for twenty six yards. He had a fumble six, a mm-hmm. bad play, but. I mean, I, I haven't, I've been hesitant to blame a lot of Zach Wilson's struggles on the offensive line. I've talked before on the show that maybe I've gone overboard in making sacks a quarterback stat, but right. he, he had no chance behind this offensive line. It is literally no chance, Zach Wilson. And it was the kind of day where his protection was so bad, like, man, this guy's going to get hurt. Yeah. And then he did get hurt. And then Trevor Simeon came in, and it was even worse. Yeah, that's really all you can say about the Jets' offense. It was just – zero chance of success from the opening whistle with the way they were blocking. And the Dolphins, they on a short week after a horrible loss, came out just totally dialed in, totally fo- – you know, they're missing Tyreek Hill. Like, everything about the game screamed trap game coming off this bad loss. Yes. Just coming off this stirring victory. They're missing their guy that some people are, you know, trying to make contrarian arguments as the MVP for. And, I mean, Tua completes 88% of his passes. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle seamlessly slides into the number one spot. Well, the rushing game was inefficient. Only 28 carries for 77 yards, and no one other than Jalen Waddle did anything in the passing game. That is a concern. There's very little depth 
um, in this Miami skill core, at least in the pass catching department. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of yeah. laid out the whole game. But what do you wonder uh, about the game? Yeah. So the Garrett Wilson thing didn't work because Zach Wilson was not in there for for a lot of this game. Looks well, like he didn't even target Garrett Wilson. All Garrett Wilson's targets came after Zach Wilson departed. I'm, I'm telling like Zach Wilson, every drop act, there's basically no chance of success on any of his, I believe, 15 dropbacks. It was it was that bad of a blocking performance by the Jets. Yeah. So all, all of uh, so I think Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall combined for 70 plus percent of the Jets targets last week. And this week they had a combined six targets of, out of 32. So yeah. that 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 whole thing went uh, straight to the bad place. It did, uh, and uh, sorry, yeah. Xavier Howard was inactive, and with that, it seemed like the film knowers were saying that the Dolphins changed up their coverage schemes and actually had Jalen Ramsey shadowing Garrett Wilson, uh, like the good old uh, days, and sure. that, that certainly felt true watching the because like uh, there were like quarters at a time where like man, I haven't even seen yeah. like, Garrett Wilson on the field. I knew he was out there, but it was impossible to spot him because he was just getting enveloped by Jalen Ramsey. Well, and Jalen Ramsey uh, held McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, to a zero catch performance two weeks ago. So he he's he's becoming like a fantasy factor here. He's back. He's back. He's all the way back. It seems. Uh, yeah. It, it, on the Dolphins side, I I did wonder if uh, Devon Achan would get uh, Achan would get more run in the second half in a blowout script. It doesn't really look like that. It looks like. Uh, Chan and Mostert they split route running 13 and 13 apiece. Um, three targets for Achan, two for for Mostert. So really, really nothing there in the in the backfield besides Mostert getting again all the green zone touches. So did all the green zone, two touchdowns for him. Mostert could have easily been a third. He had a big run down mm-hmm. to the one yard line. They got called back then by holding. It seemed like he was going to sub out. He was. I believe the CBS cameras caught him literally mouthing, "I'm tired." Oh. After he ran down to the one, and he was like on a knee on the sideline, where there were no goal line touches to be had because the penalty brought it back. That might have been Devin Achan's path to a touchdown in this right. game. But yeah, that 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 is a concerning development for Devin. Devin Achan has to score from like outside the twenty, yes. which is very difficult to do. I will say he looked healthy in a game. The Dolphins held out Tyreek Hill. Even after the bad Titans loss, the Dolphins were gambling they could beat the Jets at less than one at less than one hundred percent strength. Which to me says the fact that they played Devin Achan that he, he actually is healthy despite all the injury report listings. They're not concerned about his health, and he did look springy. He just didn't bust the big run today, and I feel fairly good about still relying. If you can survive his zero touchdown Sunday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still feel pretty good about him as an RB two. And week sixteen against the Cowboys defense that just allowed a lot of big plays to James Cook. It, it's a uh, it's hard to take away too much from this game because game script was so wonky. Um, I, I I would think that in more normal game script that Achan would be, would serve more as like the w- wide receiver two basically behind yeah. Waddle yes. when Tyreek is out. Um, but that did not happen here because I think I'm pretty sure the Dolphins went run heavy uh, with the, with the lead. They did, and yeah, it, it's very hard to have to any concrete takeaways from this game. Like you said, not just because of the game script, but because Tyreek was not there. Uh, Tyreek, I'm assuming, will be back for Week 16. It seemed like he almost played in this game, and then it was in a true abundance of caution decision, so to speak, from the Dolphins, and that you think he'd have to be back for this Cowboys game. And if he's not back, there's, there's just nothing doing with with Sed Wilson, with Braxton Berrios, with Durham Smythe. No. Uh, this is a two-man passing attack, three-man. If you count Devin Achan, but uh, yeah, Miami Dolphins, uh, 
a gut check victory over the Jets. They uh, made somebody look foolish for saying they would not win another game. You did. I, or not you. I don't know who said it. <laughs> Some are saying it's me. I, I don't remember. I don't recall, Pat. I don't recall saying the Dolphins will win another game this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. someone uh, in the National Broadcasting Corporation's employee not only said that, they said to bookmark for later. Yeah, they did. And uh, I hope that folks did not listen to that. I really, really hope. It was me, by the way. I really hope they did listen to you just now, though. Really good stuff from Denny Carter. As always, I'm Denny. We'll talk to you on Tuesday on the Roto-Roll Football Show. Talk to you then. Fuel your team with Total Coffee from Staples Business Advantage. Our comprehensive program offers no upfront cost brewers, installation, maintenance, and supplies. Plus, our incredible selection of coffee and beverages, including our new pick-me-up provisions brand. We handle everything from finding the best brewer to providing ongoing service, all at no cost with your minimum monthly spend on breakroom products. Visit staplesadvantage.com slash total coffee to get started. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We now welcome in Kyle Dvorak. We had the Bucks surprisingly comprehensive beatdown of the Packers, thirty-four to twenty, I believe, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Correct, Kyle. And then the Panthers stunning the Falcons in the worst game of the day, nine to seven. Neither team wanted to win this game. One did. The Chicago Bears weep. And then my my game, the Saints. Uh, I don't know, just kind of messing around, beating the Giants, twenty-four to six. Keith Kirkwood had a touchdown. Jimmy Graham had a touchdown. We'll get to that one last. We'll begin in Green Bay. 34-20, like so maybe it's hard to say it's the most surprising result of the day because this game felt like a coin flip. But the Bucks, I mean, like I feel like Baker Mayfield almost 158.3 on offense. Kyle, you know, Chris Godwin had a monster game out of nowhere. This what happened? How did the Bucks just move the ball at will in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I do think it helped that Chris Godwin really looked like Chris Godwin for the first time, first time this year. It was his best game by yards, I think, since 2019. Like, even the Brady wow. era, we didn't quite get this level of Chris Godwin. He was in a perfect matchup throughout the game, like getting lined up on linebackers, getting scheme touches, and producing a ton on those. And when you go from the offense is functional with Chris Godwin doing very little to adding what looks like for a game, Pete Chris Godwin the team is going to look really good because it's not like Chris Godwin's emergence in this game completely shut out Mike Evans. 457, not anything to write home about, but does get in the end zone. He was as expected. The team's top like functional goal line uh, goal line option. He got like a target at the two. His, uh, and his actual touchdown came from, I think, 19 yards out. But overall, when the team adds, if maybe this won't sustain, maybe it will, but when the team adds the element of Chris Godwin being himself, we're not getting 381 and four every game. But like two high 200s, if the offense continues to look like this, feels possible for Baker because Baker has also played, I think, his best football of his career this season. Like he's cut out the mistakes to an absurd degree for a guy who's kind of was prone to making terrible mistakes. Now he's just playing like good, sound football and not committing the awful turnovers at a pretty high clip. So this is if Godwin were to stay like this forever, 
it would be an incredible rebound for the offense. I, you know, I'm a bit skeptical of that. We've seen throughout the entire season, he hasn't been that guy. But even a modest improvement from him really would turn this team into a strong offense as they are a pretty good bet to make the playoffs. I believe it's just now functionally, as we'll talk about later, a two-horse race in the NFC South. It is, and I think it can sustain at least for week 16 on Christmas Eve against the Jaguars, who have become yeah. one of the ultimate pass funnels. Seems like an amazing matchup for this Bucks passing attack. And yeah, I mean, while you were talking, I feel like the Baker Mayfield narrative now needs to become like not if he will be starting in 2024, but like where he will be starting, what kind yep. of contract he will be starting on. Uh, we have teams learn over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> not to hit on 17 with these kind of seasons, with these kind of players. Baker but they're going to do it, right? But they're yeah, going mean, to do it. <laughs> it's weird because, yeah, Baker Mayfield is clearly reproven. That he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks on planet Earth and did himself such a disservice when he played through that torn left labrum and this non-throwing shoulder. That just derailed his entire career. But this could be an outlier campaign. It could be his career campaign. Uh, whatever kind of campaign it is, it's earned him a starting job. Yeah, he's very Geno Smith in that way. We're like, yes, he got yes. in a good situation, probably for the first time, in, including the fact that he really just wasn't healthy in his last good situation, which was in Cleveland. If you kind of throw that out and say you can't make anything of a good situation when your arm's falling off, the first time he's been in a good situation in a very long time, one of the few times in his career, because really early in his career, he did have the good rookie season, but he was overcoming a bad situation then. Now he's got some of the best, like, even with Chris Godwin not playing well, he's not a terrible number two receiver. And Mike Evans is still a legit like alpha number one. Rashad White is a good pass catching running back. This is what a well-functioning offense around him looks like. And it's something he's rarely seen. And that's very similar to the Geno Smith story. So I don't know if it'll be with the Bucks, like you said, but I get the feeling he, he'll he be starting week one of 2024 somewhere. His stats, by the way, are almost identical to that one other good season, the COVID nice. year in 2020 with Cleveland. It, like across the board, like the rate stats are Love almost it. the exact same, I know. So we'll see. I know he's learned a lot. Baker Mayfield, has he's le- he's going to have a football life on NFL Network. You know, there's going to be a <laughs> yeah. field of football life in 2037. He has had a football life. Uh, the Packers are having a football life every single week in the receiver core. I feel like it's something different. Uh, Christian Watson's injured. They're kind of rotating, mixing and matching. Uh, Jaden Reed was generating a lot of tweets on Sunday because he does. He kind of lives up to his poor man Debo reputation. But as Dontavian Wicks actually led with six catches for 97 yards. Um, but it was Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft got the touchdowns. What was going on with the Packers pass catchers in this game where they lost by two touchdowns? Yeah, Christian Watson wasn't active for this game. I believe he's listed as doubtful, obviously, not really any realistic chance of playing through that. So they enter with the three-man rotation of last week. They they had three-man rotation that was very clearly Romeo Dobbs playing all the snaps. Then Reed and Wicks still getting a majority of the snaps, but not every down. There's a little bit of that in this game, but it's also going to be obscured by the fact that Jaden Reed left with a toe issue in the fourth quarter. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Left with a toe issue in the fourth quarter. He seemed to be limping a few times throughout the game, probably trying to play through it, and ultimately pulled down an incredible touchdown. One, it was a great throw by Jordan Love, putting it in a window where only Reed could catch it, but he could just barely catch it in the back of the end zone, and he did exactly that. I mean, for my money... He, he might be this team's best receiver. I think he's better than Romeo Dobbs. And even when Christian Watson's healthy, Jaden Reed has just played so well. That's not even an indictment of Christian Watson. It's the fact that Jaden Reed brings some of that like dynamism that Christian Watson also brings, but also you get him another year in the system because he's a year younger. He could grow into this team's number one, health permitting at least at the end of the season. Romeo Dobbs probably functions as the team's somewhat distant third receiver, 
when everyone is healthy, which is something we never get to say at this point. No, we don't. And it's weird. I feel like we could be getting into one of those debates with Christian Watson and Jaden Reed. Like Jaden Reed is the best receiver, but maybe Christian Watson's the most important receiver in this group because of that deep vertical element he brings. They just seem like a different offense when he plays. And did that happen again with Christian or excuse me, with Jordan Love on Sunday? It seems like he's looking like an elite young player when Christian Watson was healthy for those three or four games. Now the two games he's been out, it's not like he's like turned into a pumpkin, but he has not been the same. He, he hasn't been uh, producing Packers victories, and he's looked more like what he is, which is a first-year inconsistent starter. Yeah, I actually thought he played a really strong game in this game. He's such a good tight window thrower. Like he came out of college almost as the opposite of that. It's like I a know, I know. toolsy, toolsy guy with a cannon. And I actually don't think you see the most arm strength when you watch him play. You don't. You do not. No. But man, he has such a good eye for tight window throws. And we saw that in this game. He had like four throws to Dontavion Wicks of nineteen plus yards, plus the Jaden Reed touchdown. So I definitely think Christian Watson helps. But there are times where you watch Jordan Love play, and I saw that a ton in this game where you think he could get away with having pretty significantly worse receivers because he's just that good. There are also times where he implodes. And I do think Christian Watson helps a lot, but I think with more games under his belt, it could be a thing where we're saying like, yeah, at one point in his career, he maybe needed to be surrounded with good weapons. But if he progresses, I do think he can be a guy who doesn't need the talent to uplift him. He's the one doing that uplifting. And I'm I'm not truly not comparing him to these kind of players, but I am comparing him to like the 90s style of like Brett Favre or like John Elway, where he's just ripping it into tight windows, which has just been coached out of like every quarterback in the NFL basically right now. Like if you throw into a tight window, it needs to be like one-on-one on the sideline <laughs> or it's either a catch or it's getting batted down or going out of bounds where Jordan Love like sees like a tight window, like 25 yards down the field, like between the numbers, he's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm betting this in there, brother. <laughs> and he gets it in there, brother, yeah. a pr- at a pretty <laughs> high clip. I mean, he's really does have touch. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I, I do – Jordan Love is someone we had to do a total May a couple on. And it's just become very, very fun to watch in the second half of the season. Uh, real quick, Packers backfield, A.J. Dillon was out. They kind of claimed Aaron Jones is going to be snap count. It didn't really seem that way. Uh, what did you see from Aaron Jones? Yeah, I mean, his backup, Patrick Taylor, was out there for some snaps, but they weren't giving him any touches. I believe he had one carry and, and maybe a pair of catches. It was very clearly the Aaron Jones show. Maybe they tweaked their game plan to avoid 20 carries, but also they're playing from behind. So it's not clear that they even had the chance to establish the run. Maybe had they done so, they would have split carries a little more evenly. But like, it's Patrick Taylor and your season is on the line. Like they're, I think, exactly 500 after this game. Oh no, they're actually two under 500. The Bucks who are 500. So not to say that like they should be pus- pushing Aaron Jones to play while he's still probably banged up to a degree, but the alternatives without AJ Dillon just aren't great. And I, I think they kind of recognize that. We will move on to uh, Panthers nine <laughs> to seven over the Falcons. Uh, good God. Um, I wonder who had to watch this game for us. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Uh, what did you see? What did you learn besides nothing? And what did, I should say not what did you see? What can you not unsee? <laughs> that is, I mean, that's roundabout correct. The first thing you can't unsee is I believe Falcons got the ball first, but uh, two Tyler Algier carries a, uh, uh, a Tucker Fisk target yeah, who, uh, catch legit who is tucker fisk ninth I, string tight end straight up don't know who he is <laughs> yeah I, I believe the ninth string uh tight end on this team uh oh my gosh because that's normally been uh michael pruitt i don't know if I, michael pruitt is like active or not for this game it's honestly something I, I i can admit 
that I'm not checking in on is my Cole Pruitt active? <laughs> Maybe Tucker Frist took a spot in the lineup. I don't, we didn't see any more of Tucker Frist, so it's not like this became a recurring issue, but it does help illustrate the point that we got Algier, Algier, Fisk, air quotes, if you couldn't hear that through the microphone, and then Cordero Patterson, and then finally Bijan gets his first touch, and it felt like that for the rest of the game. As we'll come to learn, we also just got twice as many Tyler Algier carries as Bijan carries. So that first drive, as scary as it looked, exactly foretold what we would see for the rest of the game, if you are invested in Bijan in any way. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, we're beating a dead horse, so there's no point in belaboring the point. But, I mean, if you survived this calamitous Bijan performance, because it wasn't just the lack of touches, then he fumbled the ball. It seemed like they kind of pseudo-benched him after that. Can we, can we trust him in week 16 against the Colts? It, it just seemed like Art Smith, he's flailing. Like he doesn't even, even he doesn't really know what like this warped identity is supposed to be. It just seems like he's making it up in real time. And can we really trust Bajan? I mean, I, I guess he's going to be, he's going to be a top 30 back no matter what. Can we treat him as an RB2 for week 16? I mean, you can, but like there is no problem with not ranking him as that. He was literally his team's number two running back very clearly half as many carries as Tyler Algier in this game. I mean, maybe they went with a, Oh, it's, I mean, it was, it was a torrential downpour in this game. It was super ugly. Winds didn't seem super high. I mean, I literally live in Charlotte, so the winds weren't super high, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it was raining nonstop from the moment I got up to blurb at eight until probably like an hour ago. So I guess maybe it's like a, we're going to run the power game and Algier like probably gets credit for being the team's power back and better at running like, off the guard's hip. I, like, I'm, I won't contend with people who don't like Bijan on that front. Maybe this is a game where they see this as an opportunity to do exactly that. And then I don't say they're rewarded, but Bijan certainly doesn't make them look dumb for it with a fumble that was late in the game. And ultimately, it, it gave three points to the Panthers. You can say it cost them the game. It would be one of many things. So, like, so it sounds like you're on Art Smith's payroll here. I'm not on Art Smith's payroll. I'm saying this is how he thinks. I know he saw that fumble and was like, <laughs> I was right. These fantasy nerds can suck it, even though he lost the game. So, no, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to rank. I don't, I'm not going to rank him as top 24 back. I'll probably have him inside the top 30, and I'll probably have Algier, Algier inside the top 36. Both of them just me throwing my hands up in the air and saying, I think I know who's better. And Bajan has generally outcarried yes. Algier. We should probably fall back on that data more. But how confident can we be? I don't think top 24 confident. And the thing is, they're not putting up points in any of these games. It's not like, oh, we're missing a lead back on on, uh, on the Dolphins, right? I'm scared of getting the question wrong if it's an A-chan or a Mostert game. But I know the reward is you play in the most efficient offense in the NFL. And they get a ton of red zone carries the reward isn't that outsized in this game that you're going to have to play Bijan. I just don't understand why a team that's built to run from top to bottom and use those resources and just won't even one week, just try like, no matter like this is the week, no matter what we're giving them 25 carries. This kid <laughs> does. Like, I'm serious. I'm just serious. Like no, why would you not do that? It just actually doesn't, unless he like doesn't understand the offense, which I'm pretty sure running back knows how to run, not to go full like fil non-film watcher, non-ball knower. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Bajan Robinson, four, four years of Big 12 football, excuse me, three years, uh, 16, 15 games in the NFL. I'm pretty sure he can uh, execute an offense, maybe to see what you have in the young man. Uh, but I digress. By the way, I'm going to be very, very heartbroken when you call me in January and tell me you've accepted a job with FedEx um, <laughs> and on the, the Art Smith payroll. Anything... <laughs> 
anything I, at I'm all. No, there's nothing at all. The answer is there's nothing on either side. It doesn't matter what side you're going to ask about. I was going to say the Panthers. Yeah. But. I, I was going to say, I didn't know which way you're going. And it dawned on me. It literally doesn't matter. I mean, Adam Thielen's getting some targets again, uh, but he goes four for 43. The team cannot score a touchdown. Technically they could have, they ran out the clock to kick a field goal. because that's all they needed to win. But like, we don't need to be giving the Panthers offense credit. Like, Oh, they could have no. scored no. one touchdown at the end of the game. Who cares? Like, yep. uh, so Adam Thielen may be a sort of wide receiver three adjacent, but he's a player that we joke about. I'm like, dude, if you're starting Adam Thielen in the, in the playoff in the semifinals of for most fantasy leagues, the semifinals probably already lost. How'd you make it here? You know, I think yeah. Yeah, you made it through the regular season to be fair. Cause he did have a really strong start to the year and a bunch of Chuba Hubbard carries, which is par for the course these days. So not really a change there. Yeah. I mean, Thielen, I mean, the Packers, Defense played poorly enough on Sunday that people are, you know, talking about firing the defensive coordinator again. But I don't know why I'd be starting Adam Thielen in the top 30 against the Packers in week 16. It, Chuba, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the Panthers can avoid a hugely negative game script against the Panthers. Chuba will probably still be in the top 24. Those are the only two places you're looking in this Panthers offense. I don't know where you're looking in the offenses in the game I covered. The Saints 24, the Giants 6, Darren Waller. Returned for the Giants. Chris Olave sat for the Saints as Rashid Shahid returned for the Saints. Uh, Derek Carr had three touchdowns, his first three touchdown performance all season, but none of them went to Rashid Shahid. None of them went to A.T. Perry, the only two players fantasy. Okay, well, Taysom Hill, right? I have some Taysom Hill teams. Did he catch some of them? Yes, Taysom Hill, two touches, I believe, for five yards. He had one pass attempt where it was a horribly, horribly inaccurate throw to a wide open pass catcher. I can't remember who he was throwing to, but it was early in the game. It was a really bad miss. Yeah, so as Kyle alluded to, uh, we got 110 scoreless yards from Alvin Kamara. So any Saint fantasy managers were conceivably using did not score. Keith Kirkwood scored. Jimmy Graham scored. He has four touchdowns on six catches this year, I believe. Uh, yeah, the third, Juwan Johnson uh, Len Bowden was tied with the team lead in targets. It was the Giants weren't pushing the Saints. Uh, so the Saints were just kind of making it up as they went along, Kyle. You and I both were in Slack saying we kind of like Len Bowden. Uh, but I mean, he what five targets, right? That was uh, yeah. three way chop for the most on the team. Probably not a great target share. Is this, is there any Jawan Johnson love? Is there any? No. no? I mean, Lynn no. Bowden, too, yeah, legendary college player. Just hasn't been able to make, like, that slasher, like, skill set work at the NFL. It's very interesting he's popping up for touches, but he seems kind of hard-capped in, like, that four to five target range the past three weeks. We would like to think Chris Olave, who almost played in this game, at least it seemed that way based on the reports. You would like to think he will be back for week 16 when the Saints play the Rams, who I believe – and they become kind of pass funnel, Kyle. Am I incorrect about that in the Rams? I think that's the thing Denny has said recently. It became a something funnel. But uh, it seems like it seems like Chris Olave will be back. I mean, Derek Carr isn't like Chris Olave, but it seems like he will be back there. for week 16. You think dominating targets for the Saints offense. The other side, the Giants, oh man, Tommy DeVito, he plays with a wild hair, but it almost got him knocked out of this game. Uh, like very scary hit. And so, some people are telling me it's a flop. I don't know. Maybe I need to watch more replays of this. It looked like he took a brutal hit in the second quarter. It earned him a concussion evaluation took seven more sacks like the guy i don't know if he's making enough big plays to really just like uh yeah i, I don't think the trade-off is really happening like i know he takes a million sacks 
and commits some turnovers, but he's compensating with a big play. He really isn't compensating. Yeah, you have to be 2020, 2019 Russell Wilson level of big playmaker to justify that level of sack taker. And like, obviously, we're not seeing it. They put up six points. No, seven sacks. He took seven. He didn't take any against the Packers. Six against the Patriots, nine against the Commanders, five against the Cowboys, six against the Raiders. Like this is making Sam Howell blush type of numbers. (laughs) And it's hard to see how this is sustainable. Uh, They really wanted to win. They would probably start Tyrod Taylor, but they're not going to start Tyrod Taylor on Christmas afternoon against the Eagles. So it is weird, Tommy DeVito. Not that you're going to be streaming in week 16. He's playing the Eagles, very vulnerable pass defense. But there's just no one, there's no one who can take advantage of that. Like Darren Waller will probably be on the tight end one, two borderline, but it's not like you're getting Darius Slayton in there. Not like you're getting Jalen Hyatt in there, who really had the one big game and just nothing the past five or six weeks. And it's like, yeah, there's really not even much to say about this Giants offense, Kyle. Yeah, what were the Darren Waller vibes like? Because he's a player who I'm sure got dropped in a number of leagues. He got six targets in this game. He himself said he he thought his snaps would be a bit limited. Six targets isn't nothing. Any what did his role look like at least? They seemed out there for a lot of the snaps, and he had a maybe the biggest Giants play of the game real early. I think it was a third and twelve. He had a catch and run for a first down conversion, some nice yak. So he looked healthy, but it was just like a dysfunctional passing attack, though. And they were in obvious passing situations. So it was kind of that's one of the reasons why the Saints were so easily able to tee off on Tommy DeVito. The Saints totally eliminated the Giants running attack with nine carries for 14 yards or Saquon Barkley. So it was hard to have takeaways because they were in such obvious passing situations. It was allowing the Saints to just wreak havoc on their entire operation. I'll be having six targets, pretty good. Uh, all things considered for a guy who's been out for like almost two months. He had their, their big – Darius Slayton, I guess, had, had like a 30-yard catch at some point. But Darren Waller, I think if you're really hurting a tight end, which a lot of people are, he'll be in like that tight end 11 to 14 range for the fantasy semifinals next week. That's pretty fun, and I don't think we need to spend too much more time on this game. Get me out of no. here. Yep, get us out of here. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for breaking down the games. Thank you for blurbing the games. Thank you for doing your 32 stats, your stardom sit and for doing our final – waivers chat of the year at 6 p.m eastern on monday evening kyle thank you so much thank you fuel your team with total coffee from staples business advantage our comprehensive program offers no upfront cost brewers installation maintenance and supplies plus our incredible selection of coffee and beverages including our new pick me up provisions brand We handle everything from finding the best brewer to providing ongoing service, all at no cost with your minimum monthly spend on breakroom products. Visit staplesadvantage.com slash total coffee to get started. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're now joined by Eric Samalski to break down the Bills' I would say stunningly comprehensive 31-10 victory over the Cowboys, Eric, and I, stunning because Josh Allen completed seven passes. If I saw Josh Allen seven of 15 for 94 yards, I would think, man, the Bills are throwing it back to 2019. Josh Allen probably had three picks 
but he had no turnovers. He just had no anything. He had one touchdown to James Cook, and it was just all James Cook. Just 179 yards rushing, 42 yards receiving. Uh, what was up with the Bills' approach, and you know, what do we make of this James Cook, this absolute explosion? Yeah, I mean, the, the rushing touchdown for Josh Allen as well on top of it. So it was technically a two-touchdown. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about the rushing score, which because how could you um, forget about the rushing? I forgot about it because yeah. he does it every game. Yes, I forget. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yes. Um, listen, this is this was um, a culmination of what we've seen for the last month with James Cook. Um, this week was a career high in rushes, career high in rushing yards, career high in um, scrimmage yards. He carried the ball twenty-five times for one hundred and seventy-nine and a touchdown um, on the ground. Caught two passes for forty-two yards and a touchdown through the air dropped a touchdown pass in the he third did. quarter uh, or what would have been a touchdown pass. Um, Our own Kyle Dvorak may have been a little upset about that. Yes, yes. Extra tall glass of, of bleach. Uh, but yeah, Kyle, Kyle was struggling. He was struggling through today. Struggling um, but yeah, I mean, so like, it, was a, it was a tremendous game. There's really nothing um, negative you can say about it. Uh, he's averaged over 24 fantasy points a game in PPR formats um, since Joe Brady has been the offensive coordinator. He averaged 11.7 fantasy points a game in the 10 games under Ken Dorsey. Um, and the, the, <clears throat> the receiving work is obviously a huge component of it. The Bills just didn't really use the, the running backs in the passing game with Dorsey. They are not only just using them with Joe Brady, but they're almost featuring the running backs because everybody's just trying to take away digs um, and trying to make sure Allen doesn't beat them deep. And then they use the running backs. But the big thing is also just that Brady's doing a really good job of differentiating the rushing looks for the, for the bills. And what could be problematic for the Cowboys going forward is the, the bills were basically that you, that game, that time in Madden where you just can call the same play over and over and over again. And the defense won't stop you is they were just essentially running off tackle with James Cook most of the time on these shotgun handoffs where he would then run off tackle and he would read the edge and if the edge tried to take away the outside he cut it back through the middle and if the edge went inside to take away um, you know the cutback lane he just juked out to the outside and he gained chunk yards after chunk yards and he's super athletic he was patient he waited for the holes and he just exploded through them and a lot of it is like yeah james cook looked really good he looked honestly like you know peak thurman thomas when you're watching well, you know, i was gonna say that's an obvious comment if you're thinking of bill he also looked like dalvin cook i mean that's a dalvin cook stat line from dalvin cook's heyday. yeah and, and the problem for the cowboys next week is like could you see Achan doing that? Like, yes. yeah, I could. Yes. I mean, yeah, I was thinking you know, the same thing. While and you were and Mostert too will do it successfully. He's not going to do it with the like one cut breakaway potential, you know, home run speed. But you know, the the, the way the Dolphins run, like you know, the Dolphins watch this game tape. You know, they're going to utilize this game tape. And if the Cowboys don't figure out a way to stop that, we could see a repeat of this next week. Yeah, Mostert could home run speed the Cowboys. That's what's really really scary like you said for like because the dolphins too you know as they're trying to like figure things out they're passing attack a little not that it was a bad day for their passing but they had no tyree kill um maybe he won't be 100 i think tyree kill will, will play in week 16 but maybe he's not 100 yeah. i'm sure they got some interesting data points today like oh, maybe sure. we're going to be really featuring the run against the dallas cowboys and for the cowboys is this just a trash can game uh because they did 
we hadn't seen this offense be this dysfunctional in months and months, I mean, all season. And yeah, uh, they're not this bad, of course. But what 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 went so wrong, and what do you think the takeaways are? Um, it's it's hard to say what went so wrong because it was the the Bills played two high safeties and they played both safeties deep. And they basically were just saying, you're not going to beat us over the top, hit stuff across the middle of the field and run. Um, and Pollard actually, to his credit, like Pollard looked good running the ball. I mean, 11 carries for 52 yards. He was gaining chunk plays up the middle. Um, I think that had the game been closer, he would have had a, a big game. The problem is just that they were getting good yardage on the ground. They weren't able to convert because the offensive line wasn't able to keep the Bills' pass rush out of Dak's face. And part of that is, you know, kudos to Sean McDermott for the way he dialed up blitzes and the way that, you know, the pass rush got it. You know, they're third in the NFL in sacks coming into the game. They're a good pass rush. Part of it is a flaw with the Cowboys' offensive game plan that, you know, Dak Prescott was taking these three-step drops. Greg Olson, who was doing the commentary, kept mentioning that like Dak likes to get the ball out at the as his back foot hits on the third step drop, and there was nobody open. And a lot of that was that they kept running like Brandon Cooks and CD Lamb like deeper down the field, and stuff wasn't open. And then Prescott had pressure in his face. The big concern for the Cowboys and something for people to keep an eye on is Zach Martin, their best offensive lineman, their guard, left this game. Uh, in the first quarter with an injury and did not come back. Um, I do think that really was part of the reason Ed Oliver just kind of wrecked havoc uh, on the on the Cowboys. And again, you know, the Dolphins have Christian Wilkins. The Dolphins have a, a pass rush. So that's another injury where, like, if that's not cleared up by next week, you could see another kind of, like, repeat game script. Um, and so my, you know, it's... CD Lamb saved the fantasy day with a rushing touchdown he at did. the end. And a, he is to be commended. Uh, he is to be you know, commended. Jake Ferguson, six catches for 44 yards. Four of those catches came on the final two drives when the Cowboys were down 31 to three and the Bills starters were in the game. Um, the, the concerning thing for me, which we were talking about a little bit before, the only thing I'm really taking away from this, if anything, is that uh, Tony Pollard has not has topped 30 receiving yards just once since week six. Uh, this is a guy who was basically a pseudo receiver in college. Like we know he can catch passes. Um, the, you know, the Cowboys are not using him really often as a receiver. And if they get into game scripts like this, it really shouldn't make him not a, a non-factor, but it has been making him a non-factor. Um, and again, we don't know how that Dolphins game script is going to go next week, but it, you really hope it stays close if you have Tony Pollard. I know this is, I have associative memory. I was thinking of the Cowboys playing on Christmas Eve last year and Gardner Minshew going nuts against them for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was wondering if Devin Achan and Raheem Mostert have a repeat in store of that Christmas Eve disaster. I can't remember. I think the, I can't remember who won that game. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on the Bills? Uh, Dalton Kincaid, yeah. Gabe Davis, zero balls, Eric. Yeah. Um, um, this, Dalton, they were Dalton determined to great, run. Sorry to talk over. Yes, no, that's okay. Dalton Kincaid had this gr great moment where Greg Olson again. You know, Greg Olson, very talented receiving tight end, um, basically pointed out that Dalton Kincaid was wearing rain gloves at the start of the game, but the rain hadn't started, and he dropped two passes in the first quarter. And then Greg Olson pointed out how he switched gloves 
for the remainder of the game. By that point, it was like 21 to three and the Bills decided they didn't want to pass anymore. Um, I think it's another like trash can game for the Bills receivers in the sense of you pointed out that, you know, Josh Allen threw the ball 15 times. Unfortunately, like, you know, he threw um, eight incomplete passes. Four of them were drops. Uh, one of them was a deep ball to Gabe Davis where Josh Allen got hit as he threw and it basically like hit Gabe Davis's foot because he just couldn't track the ball when it was up in the air. Um, so, you know, th- that is, I bring that up because drops have been a little bit con- of a concern for the Bills receivers this season. Um, and so that is something that you'd like to see get cleaned up when they're playing in uh, closer games. The The other thing is like, we we have the charge the bills of the charges up next and then the patriots so those are games where they theoretically shouldn't need to pass a lot they just showed us today that if they don't need to pass a lot they're not going to pass they're more than happy to rely on the run you're obviously still going to start josh allen because he's josh allen you should probably continue to start stefan diggs because even though he's not himself and he spent a little bit of time in the blue medical tent again today and we've talked about how Neither he or the Bills have mentioned anything about him playing through injuries, but he's on and off the field more this season than he normally has been. He's been in and out of the medical tent for little things, so who really knows? But you're probably going to start those guys because of their upside, and you know, in order to run the ball and run out the clock against the Chargers and Patriots, you need to score points first. Um, but I, I just think it's like, I don't know that you roll the dice with Gabe Davis anymore. I mean, we, we all just say, Hey, you put him in your lineup. Maybe you get nothing. Maybe you get a huge game. It's like, if they're going to run the clock out, if they're going to run these games out, it's too risky for me against the chargers and the Patriots. Like he may hit a home run for sure. But if you have steadier options in the fantasy playoffs, I think you have to pivot. Yeah. Week 16. I think you're hoping that Gabe Davis hits a big play early in that game in the dome in LA because they're going to be playing out the string in that game. Both teams. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the Chargers, nothing left to play for. And the Bills are just going to be trying not to get injured. Looking forward to, to week 18 and what could be the all-important Dolphin showdown. Dolphin but showdown. Dolphin but, showdown. And if you're still in the stashing game, um, I, I know Latavius Murray scored a touchdown. Uh, Ty Johnson is the true backup running back on the bills he also has uh receiving skill so he would be the one where like if you had james cook and you were like i need his handcuff if you find yourself in that situation i do think it's ty johnson and i think that again the bills are an offense where like you probably want that guy if anything were to happen to cook eric good stuff um best of, i'm not gonna say what team you root for i'm gonna say best of luck to them and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll catch you later. Thank you so hope, much. I hope everybody's teams have success. Same with me. Thank you. <laughs> We're now joined by Lawrence Jackson, who had the 49ers putting 45 up on the Arizona Cardinals. Not surprising at all. They were the obvious pick to score the most points in weeks 15. And they would have done it had the Raiders not scored 63. Uh, Lawrence, but 45 to 29 for the Niners over the Cardinals and I was just talking to you before we went on the air. When I look at this box score, it looks like 49ers going crazy as normal, Trey McBride going crazy as normal, and just not a lot of surprises. Is, is that accurate? The 49ers just looking like – but looking at this box score, I would just think the 49ers were doing whatever they wanted to. Yeah, they pretty much did. Um, the Cardinals got the ball first, and they did actually – go down and score on their first drive. But uh, it was pretty much a struggle ever since. Like most teams, 
the Cardinals had just they couldn't get off the field versus the Niners. You know, it's just literally just doing whatever they wanted. Receivers running wide open um, all over the field. Christian McCaffrey doing it in the receiving game uh, and in the run game. And, you know, a couple of uh, you get the pick six there from uh, uh, from Shabarius Ward. That That was a bad throw. Man, Shabarius Ward looked fast on that, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, nobody in Arizona, the whole state was catching him. No. Um but yeah on the on the Cardinals side um you know starting with Kyler uh like I said he led a nice uh opening drive to score but you know other than that he was running around all game pretty much looking for Trey McBride who did deliver um that was the only guy who was really productive with him as we saw uh, Hollywood Brown wasn't able to return Michael Wilson was ineffective uh, so it was the Trey McBride show, whether running and catching or just, you know, having a, you know, amazing catch. But uh, you, as you can see by the 11 targets, uh, Kyler was looking for him early and often. James Conner ran the ball well, had a couple of nice runs where he broke a few open. But, uh, you know, the Cardinals couldn't really cash in when it mattered. They scored a couple of uh you know points near the end but by then the 49ers had already had uh 40 plus points so uh it it was a tough day for them overall luckily for Kyler Murray the rushing uh with the 49 yards in the late garbage touchdown to Elijah Higgins that's his first of his career uh Kyler was able to kind of keep that from having the outrageously bad fantasy yes. day Yes, yes. Kyler, if you had to start him, I mean, you would have liked more, but he did get the touchdown. He got 49 yards. I, I, I had to start him in the league, and I was grateful he got those 49 rushing yards in that garbage touchdown pass. No, oh, yeah, it was it was the bare minimum he needed to do, and he did thankfully do it. You mentioned Marquise Brown. Mike will say Marquise Brown, not even targeted. I, w- I wonder if he's going to get shut down. It seems like he – basically just can't play right now. I mean, and he yeah. literally did not play on Sunday. Yeah, questionable all week with that uh with that heel injury. They made him active. It wasn't before long that, you know, he was out of the game and um, you know, just one less weapon for Kyler Murray to work with. Uh, and uh it, it didn't help the situation. No, one less weapon is not what you need against the 49ers and I know I noticed a crazy stat looking at the 49ers box score. So six 49ers, at least six, six 49ers caught at least one pass. And all six of these pass catchers had a long reception of at least 17 yards, which just tells you, like you said, people running wide open. They're hitting chunk gains basically at will. We know a lot of it's yak, but it's schemed it, perfectly by Kyle Shanahan and then executed oh, perfectly man, by Brock it, Purdy. It's, it's just crazy. It's ridiculously perfect, which is Funny, you know, I got on Twitter and uh saw the last Brock Purdy through four touchdown passes, right? They a lot of the one that's going around is his last one that made the score 41 to 22. <laughs> it was a nice back shoulder throw to Debo when they were already blowing him out. If you look at the other three touchdowns, they are wide open. Um Christian McCaffrey's 
first touchdown pass, a 41-yard touchdown, he he had to adjust to catch it. He fell backwards on the turf, yes. got back up, and then ran it in. Like That's how open these guys were. Debo's first touchdown catch. There was no one else on the screen with this guy, and we're yeah. talking about Debo Samuel here. You know, yeah, it, it's but totally not. I really have never seen anything quite like it in football. I don't know. The the year Cooper Cup came close to setting all the records was kind of the only thing I could think of where it seemed like he was wide open every play. But yeah, Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy have like three guys wide open every say. I really have never seen anything like it. Not trying to take away from Brock Purdy because someone has to execute this offense, and he is doing it almost literally flawlessly. But I yeah, yeah I've never seen anything like the, this. The whole offense is just a. It's just a machine, you know, and um, you know he's you get good protection there. There was he had no stress in that game whatsoever. It was a, it, Brock Purdy is definitely living right. He has zero sacks behind that Trent Williams led offensive line. To speak to your point there, I mean, any any final thoughts on this game? I think you wrapped it up there pretty nicely. I, I Elijah Higgins. I need to look in more to Elijah. I don't know much about Elijah Higgins. I'm going to be honest with you. He he actually was uh he was on the Dolphins earlier this year. They he's a rookie. They got they got rid of him. But uh you know there was like I said no other receivers that were actually effective. So you know uh he kind of stepped up. He he did get the garbage touchdown, but he had three other uh receptions as well. So you know it was a uh, it it was it was solid for him, nice for him. But you know not somebody I would uh consider picking up off the wire unless we had like uh you know no hollywood brown no michael wilson you know i would probably go greg dorch first since they manufacture him the targets um but when the cardinals get in this mode anybody's liable to catch a pass when they're trying to come because they're in this position quite often they are so (laughs) you know the Cardinals, I get the feeling if they if they stick with Kyler Murray next year, they're gonna we'll, we'll try to totally rebuild this receiver room. And I don't, I don't, they, I don't know. Why, they got to. I don't they, know why Marquise should. Brown hasn't been good. It's it's weird to me, but not that it's, he's been bad. But yeah, he, it it was a lot better when Josh Dobbs was the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it was. Marquise, just, they need to shut him down, man. He's just not even healthy. Like, it seems like he's playing on one leg. Uh, probably wish he was on the Ravens right now. Looking does. at him, they're, 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 they're winning ten zip right now, first seed. And uh, you know, I, I see Isaiah know. Likely's got a touchdown here. I just I'll say I, when I dig more into this box score, I'm sure I'm going to find like ninety Cal- Calvin Ridley yards. Correct, Lawrence? I'm sure he's just dominating um, for the day. He, he's he's, get, he's getting there. He's at about. 30, 40 maybe right now. That's better than I was expecting. So uh, the 49ers somehow always better than we're expecting. Lawrence Jackson, always better than we're expecting. Lawrence, thank you so much. We will catch you next week. All right. We are now joined to close it out by Mr. Zach Kruger, who had the Chiefs sort of getting their mojo back, not really, in a 27-17 victory over the Patriots and the Rams, beating the Commanders 28-20 again. That was 28-7. I believe. Then the commanders made it a little closer late. They had uh, some quarterback shenanigans going on that you say apparently will not be carrying over to week 16, but that's our second game. We'll start with the chiefs. We'll start with the Patriots. We see the two score victory. I believe the chiefs covered 
Zach, uh, Patrick Mahomes finally back over 300 yards passing, gets two touchdowns. Does have two picks. If I'm looking at the box score, I say he's keeping Rash- the Rasheed Rice breakout going. Uh, but if I'm looking at the gifts, if I'm looking at the tweets, I'm knowing that Kadarius Tony uh, was doing very bad things. I got some texts about Sky Moore, who was not even targeted, I believe. It seemed like kind of more of the same for the Chiefs, but uh, with a little more production. Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Sky Moore was targeted. The play was penalized, but if it wasn't penalized, he would have actually lost a fumble on his lone target. But Sky Moore okay, was okay, okay, technically yeah. targeted, if not for a penalty that bailed him out of an otherwise bad play. Um, Kadarius Tony, you mentioned social media being a flame as far as he goes. That's now back to back weeks where Tony has not quite cost the Chiefs uh, this week as he did last week, but another week where it was still just Kadarius. To- and, and I feel like this is just a product of a player who doesn't play very much, like not being in sync with his quarterback, a, a wide receiver who Andy Reid is like saving for these crucial moments. And then they, they finally let him get a shot or two and he's, he's just blowing it. He had two drops in this game on four targets, two catches for five yards. One of his drops led to an interception, which the Patriots then converted into a touchdown a few plays later. Like nothing about Kadarius Tony this week or last week has has been redeemable as far as when you consider what they gave up to get him last year and then his overall lack of impact on the field this season like Kadarius Tony's biggest impacts are the things that are slowing down the Chiefs and hampering their success now I guess you can't take away the Super Bowl that they won last year and his impact there but overall Kadarius Tony has has been a net negative this season for the Chiefs as far as I'm concerned um, but who am I? I'm just podcasting with with you today. Uh, but uh, Rayshu Rice, you mentioned his his hot streak kind of continuing, a perfect nine for nine on all of his targets, 91 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown, great bar trivia question down the road. Who who caught a four-yard touchdown pass from Jarek McKinnon in week 15 of the 2023 <laughs> NFL season? That's the answer right. is Rishi Rice on a four-yard shovel pass that did not come from Mahomes. But Mahomes himself did throw two touchdowns, one of them an eight-yard strike to Jarek McKinnon in the first half, and then the other a leaping grab to Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the second half on a six-yard score. So both of the running backs got involved there. I, I will say, um, as far as the McKinnon and Edwards-Alaire split goes, still very much a CEH backfield and it's still very much a, another week where McKinnon basically bailed out an otherwise underwhelming performance and uh, underwhelming opportunity to share with touchdowns. He had the passing touchdown to, to Rasheed Rice. He also had a receiving touchdown, but McKinnon had just seven opportunities in this game. Uh, in total, he had 30 yards from scrimmage and then Clyde Edwards, Elaire 13 carries for 37 scoreless yards, but CEH also four catches on four targets, 64 yards, courtesy of a 48-yard screen pass, and the touchdown. So it is still CEH's backfield by nearly twice the opportunities that McKinnon has seen over the last two weeks. But again, this is all very much dependent on Isaiah Pacheco, who Andy Reid said um, earlier this, or I guess last week, late last week, that it's possible that he will be available for week 16. So kind of wait and see certainly for CEH and whether or not he'll have any fantasy upside in week 16. But um, that, that's kind of what we're looking at. If it's a yet another week without Pacheco, uh, McKinnon remains very difficult to trust, even in PPR leagues as the, the receiving work we thought that could maybe save him really hasn't been there. It's really just kind of been lucky touchdown runs over the last two weeks. It's like you mentioned that, CH is getting more opportunities, but McKinnon, it's hard not to notice that when he does get a touch, it's a high value touch and he's getting trusted on the most important snaps. So you could maybe justify him as a desperation flex from that perspective. I don't think yeah. 
he's going to be playing Christmas Day against the Raiders. Despite yeah, it, I, I was I was actually kind of surprised that Reed came out and said that so soon. I now apparently the the rumor was on Friday that Pacheco could be back week sixteen. One important thing to note: I don't know what day he had the surgery, but it was not Friday when he had the surgery. It was a few days beforehand. They're they're obviously talking about it like it's something minor. Uh, we don't we don't quite know you know the overall extent of it. Obviously, it requires surgery. Is there anything he can? return on after this week perhaps but um if he can't then it will be ceh and you mentioned the mckinnon roll obviously an eight yard touchdown that he had today would have come in the red zone same with this passing touchdown it was only a four yarder he he does have that valuable red zone role pretty well locked in which which is kind of part of we, we always joke about you know the thesis of the play the thesis of the mckinnon play yes. was a red zone role and possibly receiving the the receiving upside has been split with ceh but the red zone role is at least somewhat intact and and you know we'll we'll give him that upside that you mentioned but i i would still say he's got to be like a desperation like running back three in deep leagues like like you you have to start him realizing you're looking at like a three to four point floor and maybe like a 10 to 11 point ceiling anything at all notable on the patriot side zeke elliott did not get home for fantasy managers the way he did in week 14 16 touches for 46 scoreless yards demario douglas is back from his concussion but only three catches for 33 scoreless yards Devontae parker is back Five catches, 44 scoreless yards. Hunter Henry, some reason, explodes. Seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. But, I mean, th- this is remains an offense that on week 16, on Christmas Eve night, don't think we're going to be firing up any of these guys against the Denver Broncos. Except for no, some- I mean, you, you, well, hey, it's amazing what happens when a PPR scam runs out, Pat. Only five it catches is too. For, yeah. for a little <laughs> tiny 21 yards for Zeke. Uh, he continues to look like absolute dust on the ground. Eleven carries, twenty-five scoreless yards. He, Zeke wasn't even good the previous week. Like, I, good for him for all of his receiving work that he got. But, but as far as like the running game goes, it's incredible that they can't find someone else to put in on like the early down. Like, he's a great pass blocker. They can they can utilize him on third downs. It's just the receiving back. It's just the pass blocking back. Give give that work to Kevin Harris on the on the early downs. Who did have an 18 yard rush touchdown. Kevin Harris fourth carries 25 yards. But uh yeah, I, it's kind of wait and see on Ramondre Stevenson. It doesn't sound to me like he's gonna be playing next week, but I really don't have any way of knowing that beyond what you know we we know of this injury through the first two weeks that he suffered it. Um, Hunter Henry, got to give him a little bit of credit here. There's going to be a knee injury to monitor after he went down late in the fourth quarter on a low hit from Legereus Sneed. But Henry, seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. His, his touchdown actually came on a fourth and two. Bailey Zappi aired it out rather than go for the two yards and found Henry in the end zone. Um, but Henry, over the last two weeks, was Zappi under center, 10 catches, 106 yards, if my mental math is correct, and three touchdowns. So there is definitely a Zappy Henry connection. If you're if you're lacking it tight end, I think you can maybe look to Henry as kind of a a, a like risky tight end one against the Broncos. Uh, that it certainly has looked good for him and Zappy through two weeks, and then certainly you're not paying playing Bailey Zappy up and down in this one. Took four sacks, 180 yards, a touchdown, an interception. If it wasn't for Hunter Henry, the day would have actually been much worse. But Henry at least is is that reliable security blanket who can make some plays and. Uh, be there for him when things start to break down. But I, I would say maybe Henry, Henry, and then possibly Ezekiel Elliott, if no Ramondre Stevenson. But you have to know that these kind of games out of Elliott could could very well pop up again next week, especially against a, a Broncos defense that's been up and down but improved over the last over the last few weeks. Um, you know, of course, Henry picks up the knee injury. What we just saw. Picks up yes. the knee injury then to cloud his status. So uh, <clears throat> you're not going to be firing up as a tight end one. We know that. All no yeah. buys, of course. Uh, if you're playing Hunter Henry, 
it probably won't be. I think the Broncos have allowed a lot of tight end fantasy points this year, and they did just get absolutely shredded by Sam Laporta on Saturday. But even even so, you're not going to be firing up Hunter Henry as a tight end one. And no. he's going to be someone that if you're using him, it's probably because you're in kind of a desperate situation. Yeah, like, like there, there's a tight end one in his range of outcomes, but there's also like a very bad tight end too. So it's, it's it's a lot of variance in that in that play. We'll move on to the Rams beating the Commanders 28 to 20. Where again, the big storyline, uh, Commanders were down really big. I believe it was 28 to 7 when they benched Sam Howell. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. Correct. They turned to Jacoby Brissett. I'm sure he's facing some soft coverages, some soft defense. I mean, he goes 8 of 10, 124 yards, two touchdowns. He was so close to that second touchdown being a really long touchdown to Terry McLaurin. They had to settle uh, for a really, really short touchdown where it was too little too late to Curtis Samuel. Uh, but you said Ron Rivera after the game, they're sticking with Sam Howell, which, I mean, I I could see the argument, of course, for for not. I kind of I kind of understand seeing with him. The season's over, blah, blah, blah. Just give him four more games of evaluation, see if he turns a corner one final time. Uh, but it certainly seems like he has turned the wrong kind of corner the past month, does it not, Zach? Yeah, so I can't remember if we talked about this. I believe we did. I, I referenced um, a, a tweet, I think, a few weeks ago from Grant Paulson. He's a local radio DJ here in D.C. on 106.7 The Fan. And he had mentioned that Sam Howell's early season success was probably somewhat due to the fact that he hadn't played a single top 10 defense. Through, like I think it was like the first like 10 or 11 weeks of the season. The, the commanders had very fortunate luck as far as the the, the skills of the defense that they faced and the they they were not that skilled so um how for you know and he still had a lot of faults or a lot of flaws in those games we know about the the sack record he's been chasing all year we know about being tops in the league and picks certainly some of that's by way of just the certainly high volume the commanders are throwing at but the past two months of the season are kind of being viewed as more of like the real test for what Sam Howe can do. Going back to Mr. Paulson one more time, he posted a tweet after the game today. It says, as commanders have encountered the toughest stretch of defenses faced this season, Sam Howe has struggled immensely over the past month, completing 59% of his passage, averaging 5.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns to six interceptions. And I think that just kind of sums up what we saw from Sam Howe today. He took only one sack, completed 11 of 26 passes, 102 yards, and one touchdown he he almost needed a full three quarters to even pass 100 yards through the air uh that that 100 yard was hit and then surpassed on a 19 yard touchdown to curtis samuel in the third quarter but then he he ended up coming back out and throwing an interception on like the the very following drive and then after that with the score at 28 to 7 it was jacoby Brissett time the rest of the way and Brissett only played two drives eight of ten passing 124 yards two touchdowns you mentioned the possibility of soft coverage I think there's probably some arguments there, but I will say on the 29-yard touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin, that was a contested target in the back of the end zone. He had to leap forward. He had to make a legitimate play. I believe he even came like crashing to the ground. Like it was a, it was a, it was a good covered, play, well covered play by a defender against McLaurin. And then on the 49-yard reception, that fell quite literally a yard shy of a touchdown. McLaurin had to beat two defenders just just to get open and, and work his way past them. So. Could there have been some soft coverage? Certainly there's a case, but even after that first McLaurin touchdown, you're really talking about a two-possession game where the Rams didn't want to just give up big gains, and then they did again to McLaurin, and, and that eventually led to another Curtis Samuel touchdown late in the fourth quarter and, and nearly helped the Commanders mount a comeback if not for a failed onside kick attempt. But uh, Brissett looked good. Ron Rivera did say after the game that it was going to be Sam Howell next week against the Jets, which just sounds 
absolutely terrible for Sam Howell and absolutely yes, great for the does. Jets. Um, Sam, Sam, I, just, I mean, I just read the Grant Paulson tweet. Uh, he and, and he's very much on point with that. Sam Howell's struggles over the last month have been well documented, and whether or not he's a long-term quarterback in Washington, I think is very much. Uh, a, a question i think it's a fair question i think the answer is trending towards no especially when you realize that the commanders are going to be staring top five pick in the face if they continue in the direction they're headed which is now games against the jets the 49ers and then the cowboys close up the season that sounds like a one and two record at best and a an oh and three record at worst so um yeah it, it's interesting Sam not gonna be the new new owner they're gonna get a real gm they don't really they've never had like an actual gm structure in place when daniel snyder no. was there uh, they're gonna get like an actual front office czar they're gonna get a new coach um yeah i'm pretty sure they're gonna get a new quarterback the stink bomb performance from antonio gibson by the way without brian robinson only four carries for 15 yards five catches 20 yards seemed like he was benched for chris rodriguez and so even a Brian Robinson is not back for week 16. It seems like we're not going to be able to rely on Antonio, Antonio Gibson against the Jets. Yeah, Gibson saw some decent volume early on, and it kind of looked like exactly what we were hoping for, was, which was going to be that Antonio Gibson heavy day with Chris Rodriguez mixing in on the occasional maybe short yardage situation or early down rush attempts. Rodriguez wound up leading the commanders with 10 rush attempts, only 35 yards, so three and a half yards per carry. Nothing to write home or get excited about there if Brian Robinson is out next week. But but Gibson four four for fifteen on the ground, and then uh, excuse me while I scroll another five through twenty through the air. Really had a chance to be a good day if that usage may have continued for another three quarters. But a lot of it came early on, and then towards the second half, it just wasn't there for him. So uh, what that was about, I'm not quite sure. Hopefully, we'll see more on that later. But uh, certainly can't trust Antonio Gibson with or without Brian Robinson in the lineup next week after seeing him just kind of ignored for the better part of the second half in this game. No, you could not. And the Rams. Looks like status quo. Even though Kyron Williams lost two fumbles, he had 27 carries, 152 yards, another touchdown. Second week in a row where Cooper Cup was looking like Cooper Cup again, another big stat line, eight for 111 and a 62-yard touchdown. Puka Nakua, the one disappointment, five catches, 50 scoreless yards. It just seems like things have settled in finally the way the Rams want them to. I'd have a Thursday night game against the Saints, Zach. Yeah, I mean, everything for the Rams looked about as easy as you would expect it to be based on the defense that you know they're facing. The the commanders' defense has been the get-right defense of the year for everybody. I'm very curious to see how Zach Wilson uh, performs against that defense next week. If it's Wilson, I know he's dealing with the injury right now. If it's Trevor Simeon, I'm interested in seeing how Trevor Simeon performs against the secondary. Uh, it was very easy for Matt Stafford on the day, 25 of 33 passing, 258 yards, Two touchdowns, no picks. You mentioned Cooper Cup, over 100 yards receiving in this one. That's back-to-back 100-yard games for Cup, and then also three straight games with a touchdown for him. The the 62-yard touchdown was just an absolutely wide-open play. Um, there's a hilarious tweet that went around after the after the game. I have to find it, but uh, someone, someone was crit- critical of Cam Curl's coverage. That's a safety for the commanders, and he responded saying that the, the, the post, person posting did not know what coverage the commanders were even running and the the guy responded it doesn't appear you knew either so uh kind of a, a little fun own of a secondary there that got absolutely yes. torched by cup on that 62 yard play nakua five for 50 eight targets just like cup it was just one of those days where it wasn't nakua's day i honestly was surprised to see after the game that it was only five catches for 50 yards because it really felt like every time i looked at the screen 
he was making another play, but then a, a kind of a, you know, a, a meager fantasy line as far as 550 goes, no touchdown. Uh, he had like three rushing yards. So, so a rather disappointing fantasy day for Nakua, but he, he was out there. He looked good. He looked effective. Five for 50 was surprising to see. And then Kyron Williams, a, a stunning three, five catches for three yards. Uh, if you want to talk about PPR scams, that would be at the top of the list. Uh, five free points on, on three yards, but. It doesn't matter when you're rushing for 152 yards and touchdown. And, and Kyron Williams just the way he is in control of the game with on the ground is just insane. Like he he's constantly gaining chunk yards. He had several long plays in this one along a 27, and uh, and, he, and he found the end zone early on with like a one or two yard touchdown in the short field. So um, Belcal, you know, league winner. Kyron Williams is all of those things right now, and he has been all season long. He's going to continue to be. Um, look, look great again this week. So, uh, good, good, good time for him, and and good time for those fantasy managers who once again got the stardom and hopefully advance to the next round of fantasy playoffs. The you know, only bad news is that it's the short week. The the Saints' run defense has actually been pretty vulnerable compared to their historic standards this year. Uh, so, hopefully, not he's not hurt, but hopefully, he's over his standard bumps and bruises by Thursday evening. We, we should humbly ex- expect about 20 carries for 130 yards for yeah, exactly for instead of his usual uh, 160 170 yeah, yeah. No, no 25 yard no no 25 carries no 150 yards just 20 for 130 we'll be fine with that I think well, he can do it we'll take it yeah so we'll, I think we're gonna be ranking him in the top five too Zach um, yeah hey bull uh, all right well we did it we finished week 15 um, man yeah we're gonna finish the season soon. Um, that's what they're saying I, i've been taking a close look at the schedule and it would appear it's approaching <laughs> uh i'm crunching a few more numbers just to to confirm that my eyes are not deceiving me you are always crunching the numbers you're always bringing the goods thank you so much for everything you just told us about rams commanders and patriots chiefs uh we hope it includes more fantasy points for the chiefs going forward but thank you to zach thank you to denny thank you to kyle to lawrence to eric Smolsky. Um, to the whole gang, keep it locked to rotorworld.com. This week, there's me good stuff from everyone except for Mr. Zach. Mr. Zach's got to head out of town. Uh, we <laughs> hope you travel safely. We hope you make it I, back safely. I am heading out of town. Full disclaimer here for the folks I, I will not be writing my snap report or expected points articles, but I will be working and I've worked with other people to hopefully pull that data for everybody over the time that I'm gone for the next two weeks. So, certainly don't want those people to be without that. Look for my articles. They will be there. I just won't have the full breakdowns I usually write while I'm away. Well, we will miss it. We will miss you. Um, but thank you so much. And, yes, thank you to you, uh, most of all, the listener, for listening and for clicking, for reading. Um, for Zach, I'm Pat. We will be back later this week. Fuel your team with total coffee from Staples Business Advantage. Our comprehensive program offers no upfront cost brewers, installation, maintenance, and supplies. Plus our incredible selection of coffee and beverages, including our new pick-me-up provisions brand. We handle everything from finding the best brewer to providing ongoing service, all at no cost with your minimum monthly spend on breakroom products. Visit staplesadvantage.com slash total coffee to get started. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.